Thank you, Miss Jo. Um, ever notice that anybody Jesus touched or touched Jesus, they were never the same. And that's the way it is with us as the saved. Um, as Martin Luther said, I am a man and I can err. And I have erred. And I've got a lot of hot air, but not that kind of air. Um, we move by faith, not by sight, but it is nice when God does give us that once in a while. If you have your Bibles, we're going back to 1 John. 1 John. All right. Let me open with a... Uh, a little bit of a joke. Now, this is a little bit of a risque joke, so y'all bear with me, okay? A man left work one Friday afternoon. Now, this was payday. But instead of going home, he stayed out the entire weekend hunting with the boys. And he spent his entire paycheck. And when he finally appeared at home Sunday night, he was confronted by a very angry wife and was beraged for nearly two hours with a tirade befitting his actions. And finally his wife stopped and simply asked him, How would you like it if you didn't see me for two or three days? To which he was dumb enough to reply, That'd be fine with me. Well, Monday went by and he didn't see his wife. Tuesday and Wednesday came with the same results. Thursday, the swelling went down just enough where he could see her a little out of the corner of his left eye. Hope you like that. <laughs> uh, the title of the... No, no, most people... I didn't either. And I, wrote, I wrote it down. Uh, about... <laughs> the title of the message this morning... If you'll put it back on the screen for just a minute, thank you. To truly see, you must be a seeker of God. To truly see, you must be a seeker of God. Now, the book of 1 John is one of the five books in the New Testament that we have talked about. That John, the apostle, the brother of James, one of the sons of thunder, he wrote it around AD 85 to AD 100. 1 John was written to a church or group of churches that were in crisis. We know that a group of individuals had left. They were associated with that church and they started to teach heresy. And they continued to spread their false teachings to other churches. And they went so far as to organize itinerant preachers to preach heresy. So this caused a lot of problems in those churches. And in response to this, John wrote 1 John. And he followed those up with 2 and 3 John. Today we're in 1 John chapter 2, verse 3. And we're going to go to verse 11. Now by this we know that we know Him if we keep His commandments. He who says, I know him, and does not keep his commandments is a liar. And the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, truly the love of God is perfected in him. By this we know that we are in him. He who says he abides in him ought himself also to walk just as he walked. Brethren, I write no new commandment to you, but an old commandment, which you have had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word which you heard from the beginning. Again, a new commandment I write to you, which thing is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. He who says he is in the light and hates his brother is in darkness until now. 
He who loves his brother abides in the light, and there is no cause for stumbling in him. But he who hates his brother is in darkness, and walks in darkness, and does not know where he is going, because the darkness has blinded his eyes. Let's pray. Father, I come to you again. Lord, I thank you that you work on us. You don't leave us the same. I thank you, Lord, that when we touch even the hem of your garment, you change us. Lord, here we are with your word. God, I pray that you would help me to speak correctly, speak theologically, speak timely, speak applicably to our everyday lives. And Lord, I know if you can use a donkey, I'm, I'm praying, Lord, you use me. Let me not say anything um, stupid. And uh, help me to think your thoughts. Help us all to have open spirits, open hearts, that we can apply your word from this day forward. In Jesus' mighty name, the strong Son of God in the church said, Amen. Don't be blind. Walk in love and allow God to improve your character. That is our life principle. Don't be blind. Walk in love and allow God to improve your character. Let me ask you a question. Is your character improving day by day or is it stagnant? Is your character improving day by day or is it stagnant? Let's go on to 1 John chapter 2. We're going to revisit verse 3 and stop at 6. Now by this we know that we know Him, if we keep His commandments. He who says, I know Him, and does not keep His commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in Him. But whoever keeps His word, truly the love of God is perfected in Him. By this we know that we are in Him. He who says He abides in Him ought Himself also to walk just as He walked. We know that we know Him if we keep His commandments. That is a... a In in our language, that's a weird way of saying it. But you know what? It makes you think. When you're truly saved, you start to live out the commandments of Jesus. They become a part of you. Hebrews 8, 10 through 12 says, For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their mind and write them on their hearts. And I will be their God and they shall be my people. None of them shall teach his neighbor and none his brother, saying, Know the Lord. For all shall know me, from the least of them to the greatest of them. For I will be merciful to their unrighteous and their sins and their lawless deeds. I will remember no more. It says that when you are saved, his law, who he is, is written on the inside of your heart. He takes out this heart of stone and puts in a heart of flesh, living again. Matthew twenty-two thirty-four says this, but when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they thought that they gathered together. In other words, they thought that they could beat them. Then one of them, a lawyer, no lawyer jokes today, I promise, asked him to question, testing him and saying, Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. The first and great commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang the law and the prophets. Now let me ask you a question. Can you love someone perfectly? 
I'm telling you, I can't. You know how I know I can't? Because I can say some stupid things to my spouse. And she's not in here, so I can get away with that. Not really, because one of y'all will tell her. And it's being recorded, so. No, we can't do things perfectly. Or Jesus' sacrifice would not be necessary. Nobody. The book of James would have, would have, would have been written already during this time. And here's what he has to say on the subject. James 2.18 But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without your works and I will show you my faith by my works. Now, I know we always end up here sooner or later. But that brings us back to what the Spirit produces in us, in you, in me, as we come to be closer and closer with the Lord. Galatians 5.22 says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. How do we know if someone's saved right away? Guess what? There really is no way to know if they're saved right away. You just, the Holy Spirit may give you a, a conviction, but you really can't know for sure. And a lot of times you hear these people, somebody commits something tr- atrocious, and they say, well, he seemed like a nice person. How do we get to know people? Over time. Over time. How do we know if they're gods? Do they exhibit love? Do they exhibit joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness? Can you see these things being produced and growing in their lives? Faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control? Maybe not all the time, but, but a good deal of the time, that should be present and growing. This is also a litmus test for the, for the person who thinks they're saved. There's a lot of self-deception in the world. Has your nature changed? We talked about today, those that Jesus touched and who touched Him, they were changed. Has your nature changed? Was there a change when you came to Jesus Christ? When showing love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, is it natural for you? Is it now a part of who you are? If it's not, then you have a problem. But if these things are, They're not something that you work up. They're something that has grown in you. And if they're not, you need to find out why. First and foremost question I would ask you is, are you saved? Do you know that you know that you know that if you were hit by a bus walking out of this church building today, God forbid, that you'd wake up in heaven? Or is it a relationship problem? Are you spending time with Jesus? Are you having your mind renewed day by day by day. Oh, it won't be perfect. We're not perfect at it. But is it happening at all? Does it happen? Romans 12.2 says, And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Philippians 4.8 says, Finally, brethren... Whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue, and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. 
2 Corinthians 4.16 says, Therefore we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. Remember what Paul's command was when dealing with someone who claims Christ, and they live in blatant sin, and they refuse to stop. Remember his command in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 11. He wrote, But now I have written to you not to keep company with anyone named a brother who is sexually immoral or covetous or an idolater or a reviler or a drunkard or an extortioner, not even to eat with such a person. There was a time in the church when people would give out business cards in the church because it was a business opportunity. And they'd put that little fish on there. And, and a lot of times, and I'm not going to say every business, but there were some businesses out there, like a mechanic, let's say. They'd give you that card, and man, they would rip you off. And you wouldn't know it till it was all said and done. And then they'd move on to the next church and give out the cards. Folks, that ought not be. Have nothing to do with them, because they are an extortioner. And they claim to be a brother. Why? So that they may repent of their sins and come to Christ again and reestablish that relationship with Jesus and His church. Second point. Love is the one rule for life. Think about that. Love is the one rule for life. 1 John 2, 7 and 8 says, Brethren, I write no new commandment to you, but an old commandment which you have had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word which you heard from the beginning. Again, a new commandment I write to you, which thing is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. Man, that's hard to wrap your mind around. What is that new commandment? Yet not an old commandment. Well, Romans 13, 8 and 10 tells us, Owe no one anything except to love one another. For he who loves one another has fulfilled the law. For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, you shall not covet. And if there is any other commandment, are all summed up in this saying, namely, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. Now, didn't we just read a passage that was similar to that? Yes, we did. It's, it's Hebrews or Matthew twenty two thirty four. remember? Those Pharisees, and we'll pick it up at verse 34. But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, again, they gathered together. And one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question, saying, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment? And Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. That's the first and great commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. And we said, if, if someone could do this perfectly... We wouldn't need Jesus, but we need Jesus to show true love. You've got to have love to show love. If you think you can do it without Jesus, 
You're wrong. You're lying to yourself. You're a self-deceiver. You're in self-deception. How do I know that? Because the Word of God tells me that in Romans 3.23. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That's me, you, the Pope, everybody. There was only one perfect. And he still is perfect. And his name is Jesus. The commandment is love. We're to walk in the love of Christ. Well, what about if someone's done, done wrong to me or, or, or someone is wrong in sin and I got to go correct them? Okay. What's your motivation? Is it love or is it because you like an argument? I know a pastor right now loves to argue with the Jehovah's Witnesses and the, and the Mormons and the atheists. And it's not done out of love. It's done because he likes to win an argument. He'll even tell you, man, I love arguing with them. They got nothing to stand on. Well, what's your purpose? Is it to see Jesus save them or to win an argument? Do what you do in love. Do it in love. What if someone does me wrong, Pastor? Well, make sure you're walking in love first. Pray for them. And if it's something that needs to be handled, do it in love. It can be easy to say that I walk in love, but it can be much harder to do. Much harder to do. Man, I can get hot. I can get mad, even at fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. When that happens, you need to walk away, calm down, and pray. That's why we need to spend time with God, so we have His love flowing through us. Don't believe me? You know how hard it is to pray for an enemy when you first start? Lord, I hate... Mm. Yes, Lord. You said to forgive them, but I'm having trouble. Lord, I'm going to give it to you. By the way, you working on that? You go right back to it. Oh, I'm going to give it to you. You still work... How long is it going to take you? If they repent, do they get forgiven? Or or can I see your judgment? Lord, I'm going to give it to you. Matthew 5, 43 through 48 says... You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. I don't like that verse. It's hard. Yes, it is. Do it anyway. Let's move on. That you may be sons of your Father in heaven. For He makes His Son rise on the evil and on the good. And sends rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward have you? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? Nothing against tax collectors. But at this time, tax collectors were were mean, evil, overcharged, rich, because they were overcharging everyone. That kind of sounds like the IRS today. Ah, never mind. Just, just pray for him. Where was I? I went and shot that rabbit and brought it back for lunch. <laughs> do not even the tax collectors do the same. That's where we were. And if you greet your brethren only, what do you do more than others? Do not even the tax collectors do so? Therefore you shall be perfect, just as your Father in heaven is perfect. And you know, too often we forget this. We forget that we're to walk in love. In all of our interactions, all of our choices, and all of our thoughts, 
that's, I can't do that perfectly. No, that's why you need Jesus. Now, it's considered cliche today, but it still holds true. Before you act, before you speak, ask yourself, what would Jesus do? The thing is, though, most Christians today have no idea what Jesus would do because they don't read or study the Bible. They have a weird, false picture of Jesus, who He is, this this Caucasian, blonde-haired, surfing dude Jesus. I've seen pictures. Don't tell me I'm wrong. And that's, that's, that's who they have in their mind. They also don't really spend time in prayer. Prayer, isn't that what I do before, before a meal? No. Well, yes, but no. It's more to it than that. They don't spend time in prayer. They don't wait on God and allow the Holy Spirit to minister to them. Why? Let's just be honest. There are too many distractions around us at all times. TVs, phones, computers, people. When was the last time you spent time just you and God in the Bible in prayer? Has it been so long that you can't remember? Now, some of y'all may think I'm being a, a beating a dead horse, like you hear me say this all the time. Well, guess what? The Bible says it all the time. The Bible says it all the time. You would think we humans would get it after two or three times, but we don't. Because we are born in sin. Let me give you a little illustration about this. There was a church looking for a pastor. They had a bunch of candidates. And they came through preaching. And the next candidate comes through preaching. Everybody's just kind of like, okay, let's see what he's got. Because that's all they cared about was the preaching. Well, he came through preaching and he preached on showing God's love. Well, they finally found a pastor. He was dynamic. He had them in the palm of his hands. And without no delay, they called him as their pastor. The first Sunday in his new position, he preached the same sermon again. They enjoyed it, but they thought it was kind of funny he preached the same sermon. The deacons thought, well, maybe he just needed more time to come up with more sermons because he just moved in and all that. So let's let it slide. The second Sunday, he shows up, and everybody's waiting in anticipation for what he might preach about this time. Well, this time he gets up in the sermon, and he's ready to go, and he says, he preached the same sermon. Now the deacons are kind of bewildered. And they decide to hold a meeting with the pastor. And they ask, Pastor, we love your sermon, but we think you need to move on. Preach something different. And the pastor responded, I would love to move on. So they thought their work was done. Put to bed. The next Sunday comes around and with a little hesitation, you know, everyone was waiting for his sermon. He got up and he preached the same sermon again. Now, finally, at the end of the service, one of the deacons was mad, and he stands up and he asks, Hey, why haven't you moved on from this sermon? You said you'd love to. The pastor responded, I would love to, just as soon as you put into practice the sermon. I can move on to the next. Ouch, hallelujah. Don't let hatred blind your eyes. Third point, don't let hatred... Blind your eyes. First John 2, 9. He who says he is in the light and hates his brother is in darkness until now. 
He who loves his brother abides in the light, and there is no cause for stumbling in him. But he who hates his brother is in darkness and walks in darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. When you think about Christ's love and and all that he went through for us, how can we really hold a true hate in our hearts and call ourselves Christians? How? Well, someone's going to say, but pastor, you don't know what such and such did to me. You know what? You're right. I don't know. I don't know the turmoil you've been through. And maybe most people in the world would end up in hate and bitterness just like you. But not the Christian. The Christian is to be grounded in love and forgiveness. If this is you, you you don't yet fathom what Jesus went through for you. You haven't really thought on it in a long time. Or you haven't thought on it. And meditated on it for a long time. You know, Jesus had a parable about this in Matthew 18, 21. Then Peter came to him and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times. Jesus said to him, I do not say up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. And you know, there was somebody there probably doing the math in their head too, right? Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And when he had begun to settle accounts, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. But as he was not able to pay, his master commanded that he be sold with his wife and children and all that he had, and that payment be made. And the servant fell down before him saying, Master, have patience with me and I will pay you all. Then the master of the servant was moved with compassion released him, and forgave him the debt. But that servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. Now a hundred denarii is a lot less than ten talents. And he laid hands on him and took him by the throat, saying, Pay me what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down at his feet and begged him, saying, Have patience with me and I will pay you all. And he would not, but went and threw him into prison till he should pay the debt. So when his fellow servants saw what had been done, they were very grieved. And they came and told their master all that had been done. Then his master, after he called him, said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you begged me. Should you not also have had compassion on your fellow servant just as I had pity on you? And his master was angry and delivered him to the torturers until he should pay all that was due to him. So my heavenly Father also will do to you if each of you from his heart does not forgive his brother his trespasses. That should ring a bell. This should show you to not deceive yourself thinking that you're Christ and you're walking in the light when you're really not. If you have hatred, you're not in the light. Romans 5, 6 says, For when we were still without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will come one die, yet perhaps for a good man some would even dare to die. But God demonstrates His own love toward us, and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than having now been justified by His blood, we shall be saved from wrath through Him. For if when we were enemies, 
We were reconciled to God through the death of His Son. Much more, having been reconciled, we shall be saved by His life. And not only that, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received the reconciliation. Tell me, how can a person who hates someone truly hold on to that hate in the light of what Christ has done for them? John says, they walk in the darkness because their eyes have been blinded, because they are in darkness still and truly never belong to Jesus. Matthew 15, 1 says, Then the scribes and the Pharisees who were from Jerusalem came to Jesus, saying, Why do your disciples transgress the tradition of the elders? For they do not wash their hands when they eat bread. He answered and said to them, Why do you also transgress the commandment of God because of your tradition? For God commanded, saying, Honor your father and mother, And he who curses father and mother, let him be put to death. But you say, whoever says to his father or mother, whatever profit you might have received from me is is a gift to God. Then he need not honor his father or mother. Thus you have made the commandment of God of no effect by your tradition. Hypocrites! Well did Isaiah prophesy about you saying, these people, talking about those who think they're in light but are in darkness, these people draw near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips but their heart is far from me, and in vain they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. And when he called the multitude to himself, he said to them, Hear and understand. Not what goes into the mouth defiles a man, but what comes out of the mouth. This defiles a man. Then his disciples came and said to him, Do you know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard this saying? But he answered and said, Every plant which my heavenly Father has not planted will be uprooted. Let them alone. They are blind leaders of the blind, and if the blind leads the blind, both will fall into a ditch. There are people across America today who think because they belong to a church, they're a deacon. They come on Sunday morning. They come every time the church doors are open. They go to prayer meeting that they're okay. But they've never experienced true salvation. Because when Jesus touches you, you are never the same. Only those who know the extent of their sin, who are seekers of God, they are the saved ones. Not those who walk in hate toward others and are self-deceived in their own self-righteousness. Illustration about this. We're going to talk about a different preacher. The preacher's Sunday sermon had a part in it about forgiving your enemies. And toward the end of the service, he asked his congregation, how many of you have forgiven their enemies? Now about half held up their hands. He then repeated his question. You know, it was past time for lunch. So this time about 80% held up their hands. So he repeated his question again, and everybody held up their hands, probably because they were hungry except for one small lady in the back. Mrs. Jones, inquired the preacher, are you not willing to forgive your enemies? I don't have any, she replied, smiling sweetly. Okay, Miss Jones, what a blessing and a lesson to us all you are. Would you please come down in front of this congregation and tell us all how a person can live 93 years and not have any enemy in the world? Well, she came down. And she faced the congregation and she said, it's easy. I outlived them all. (laughs) 
our life principle, don't forget it. If you remember nothing, remember our life principle. Don't be blind. Come to Jesus if you need to. Make sure your relationship is solid. Walk in love and allow God to improve who you are in Him, to improve your character. How about you? Where are you on your spiritual journey today? I don't care what age you are. Where are you on your spiritual journey? Are you allowing Jesus, as the ladies come, to change you day by day, to make you new, to make you what you ought to be? Are you following His commands to love? You know, if we're, I got to thinking about that. If we're following the commands to love, wouldn't the best command for us to do be to share the gospel? Wouldn't love push us to do that whenever we could find an opportunity? Not, not necessarily being pushy and, and beating them in the head with a Bible, but when the opportunity arises, hey, did you know Jesus is the Savior of the world? Yeah, you got problems. Jesus is the answer. Let me tell you how you can know him. That sounds cliche today, but guess what? It's true. There is no other answer found except in Jesus Christ. I'll be up here for prayer if you want special prayer. If you need to come to know Jesus, now's your time. Ladies, as we stand and sing.